0: The fuck is up world look at this a motherfucking podcast turnaround time in less than 10 days imagine that must mean that your boy is stepping his motherfucking podcast game up and start fucking procrastinating and shit and getting down to the shit that matters most and what is it that matters most some more of this critical pedagogy that i am providing to you all by way of these motherfucking podcasts right that's a very dense Term to use right there. It's a very loaded term to use right there, no doubt. And like all the other things on this podcast that I keep promising I'm going to talk to you about in future times, I promise critical pedagogy will also be one of them. Now, just in case y'all motherfuckers are wondering, like, yo, is this dude ever going to talk about the shit that he says he's always going to talk about? Or is that just a way for this motherfucker to say that he's going to talk about some shit that he doesn't even really isn't even qualified to be talking about because he probably doesn't even know what he's trying to say in the first place? First of all, How dare you, okay? How dare you? I find your lack of faith in my fucking intelligence very disturbing, okay? Second of all, no, dude, this has been, this is 11 now. This is the 11th podcast, okay? And they're only about an hour long in length, right? And basically what I'm trying to do is transmit to you by way of the fucking thoughts that are in my mind at this current moment Almost a doctoral level degree understanding of philosophy. Okay? And... If the last seven years of my journey alone through academia are not indicative enough, it's actually been more than that. Holy fuck. I wish it's been seven years. I graduated college like the first time as a, as, a, as a with my bachelor's degree seven years ago. Oh, my God, I'm getting old. Right. Um, But realistically, I started this fucking academic journey now 10 years ago, it was 10 years ago when I first stepped foot onto e, on, onto an EPCC campus. Right. And in those 10 years, I've developed a lot of fucking philosophy. Surprise, surprise. You know, you might actually learn some shit coming to college, right? And I am attempting to deliver that information to you in as relatable a form as possible. So if I keep saying shit like, I promise I'm going to talk about it. I promise I'm going to talk about it. It really is because I'm going to talk about it when the time is right to do so. Now, I've noticed my uh, one of my own uh, pedagogic techniques that, I've, that I that in retrospect now, actually, because of this podcast, One that I use quite frequently is I like to just drop ideas in at the beginning of the semester and then, you know, get students to think about those ideas, to exercise those beautiful brains that they've been endowed with, right? To exercise those cognitive capacities, because again, the fucking point of a philosophy class is to teach you how to think, right? Not to what to think, right? So I like to drop these huge ideas in at the very beginning of the semester to get you the student who's currently taking my class right now and listening to this or just maybe through his podcast you the, the, the podcast listener who's listening to this to think about these ideas in in your own way in in in, in as complete an undisturbed manner as fucking possible and what i mean by undisturbed is i don't i, I like to do it in a way that doesn't that you can remove yourself from being tainted by the fucking ideas of other people right You all, everything that I've been talking about all through his uh, podcast uh, series so far, 11 episodes with this one, but also in my classes, we all have experience with all the ideas that I've been talking about. Right. And the goal then is to try to, you know, your ideas aren't necessarily any less relevant or of importance than a fucking, you know, Michel Foucault or fucking Friedrich Nietzsche. Right. They might get all the vain, all the credit and glory. And understandably so. Those motherfuckers are dope as fuck. Right. But even Michel Foucault and even Friedrich Nietzsche, right, they fucking started from the very beginning, bro. They didn't have any fucking philosophical knowledge and they started, you know, they had their own ideas. And it was these ideas that compelled them to go off and seek the philosophical insight and then go off to become the great philosophers that they inevitably did. Right. And the same, I think, could be said of you and myself, right? We all have these ideas. We've all had these experiences. And, you know, we've all come to our own thoughts and conclusions about these ideas and experiences. Now, whether or not those are quote-unquote right or quote-unquote wrong, that's a fucking different story. The point is, before I give you the actual philosophy that's been legitimized by our academic institutions, I like to get you all to just think about this shit on your own, to think about how you personally feel. So when I say shit like, oh yeah, I'm gonna talk about the critical pedagogy, Hopefully I'm going to try to be at not to taint your beautiful little uh, understanding of what you think critical pedagogy is too much. But hopefully it's, it's inspiring something along the lines of this idea that education should be for a reason, essentially. Right. The point another point of philosophy. How about this is not to explain the world. It's to change the world, right? So hopefully, in terms of this critical pedagogy, what I'm teaching you is something that's going to help change your world, even if at the most fundamental of levels, just you personally. Whether you go off and become this fucking grand savior of the whole world or redeemer of the human race, I fucking can care less. That's a different story, right? But as long as it makes some sort of change, you know, hopefully positive, but maybe even negatively, right, in your life, then at least I could say for a fact, That the critical pedagogy succeeded, that the podcast succeeded, that my fucking own classes, when I was teaching in my classes, that it succeeded, even if in the slightest of ways, right? So that's just a very long-winded introduction, a very long-winded way of saying, yo, what the fuck is good? Seriously, real talk, right? um it's been a while not too long it's been less than a week actually now that i think about it since our last podcast but since then i hope that your life has been filled with nothing more but wealth and health and well-being right and if it hasn't positive vibes being sent out your way then hopes that it will uh that that shit will slowly turn around in your favor right um before i get started let me qualify this even further by saying that if you haven't yet please go follow your boy on motherfucking ice nice underscore el profe on instagram right um i'm have plenty of things more that I'm trying to share with you all. I'm taking a very multimodal approach to my delivery of this hood philosophy shit. So, you know, podcast lectures, little videos on the side, it's all part and parcel in my attempt to be able to deliver this fucking philosophy that I am currently in the process of still constructing as we go. Right. Right. So, yeah, if you haven't yet, please, please, I'm begging you, not begging you, like, in the sense of, oh, my God, please, I need the validation, but in the sense that, yo, I want you to hear what I got to say. Obviously, it's a little vainglorious to admit, but the whole act of fucking doing a podcast, doing the videos in the first place admits of that very fact. So, whatever, right? Anyways. If you have been following along on my Instagram, one of the things that you've likely noticed is that I have been focusing a lot lately, not just on the Instagram, I guess I should say, but definitely on the podcast too, right? But I've definitely singled out these particular videos on the po- uh, on the Instagram account. And these issues are really relevant to identity, which might strike some of you as odd, given the fact that I said in the previous episodes that I wasn't necessarily concerned with identity politics, to be sure, Right. And as I was re-listening to my previous podcast and, you know, going through and taking notes on it, I started to realize, yo, I'm, I'm towing a very fine line here between getting fucking caught up in that identity politics bullshit and lo- and I thought, I think at least losing the message that I'm trying to deliver, which for better or worse, must be delivered through the lens of an identitarian politic, right? And that message is simple. Listen. This very act of hood philosophy, this podcast right here, if those of you who have taken my who are or have taken my classes in the past, the way that I conduct my classes in general, they are. I mean, listen, I'm not trying to fucking pat myself on the back. I'm certainly not trying to put myself on a pedestal. OK, but let's just admit it for what it is. You know, this is like some relatively, quote unquote, revolutionary type shit right it's funny because when we think of these fucking quote-unquote revolutions and I'm saying quote-unquote because the NSA and all that kind of shit no I'm not fucking advocating for anything I love the status quo I love America et cetera, and so on and so forth I really do right but uh that's why I keep quote-unquoting it but you know when we think of revolutionary ideas I know me personally and possibly you the same I think of these grand and drastic upheavals that take place that change our understanding of reality within the drop of a dime right and no doubt, that's part of it. That had happened for sure throughout the course of human history. It's undoubtedly happened on multiple occasions, right? Some of which we've forgotten about, others of which are directly impacting our lives still to this day. But one of the things that I started to realize is, remember I talked to you about in the beginning of the fucking podcast series, my whole little fucking fake woke uh, shit that I would go off here doing El Paso when in reality, when I was protesting and shit, when in reality, I was just like, you know, I was looking for some sort of justification and vindication, right? Or just attention in general, right? Um... One thing I noticed with that whole little phase, though, is that, yeah, I guess maybe maybe there's a little bit of revolutionary act to standing on the street corner, standing on the street corner with a fucking sign protesting some shit like, you know, if that's your only way of doing so, as we discussed with the Manuela episode of the podcast, then, yo, do it up, man, because, you know, not all of us can be this fucking Napoleonic figure that goes off and, you know, creates drastic change, supposedly. Now, for those of you wondering why I'm using the Napoleon example and drastic change, it's for a reason that we're going to discuss today, right? Um, but, you know, the basic idea here is that revolutionary acts occur in the most subtlest ways. And even though we've been brainwashed, I know I certainly was to view them as only being meaningful if they have a drastic and immediate impact. The reality is, man, that that big bang, if you will, of the revolutionary action is actually part and parcel of many incremental processes that, li- that lead up to that one action, right? Right. And that's what I have started to realize a little bit more about my teaching method when it comes to the class. Like I'm not in the class to try to change anybody's beliefs. Like I said in my previous video, point of philosophy is not to teach you what to think, it's to teach you how to think, right? So no, the intention is not to fucking, you know, instill in people a certain ideology as our fucking dear friend Jordan Peterson assumes that all us college professionals are trying to do, namely what the, fu- what the fuck is cultural Marxism? Seriously, I'm still trying to figure it out, right? Um, but no, that's not what that's, at least that's not what I'm trying to do, right? What I'm trying to do is sow the fucking seeds that are going to inevitably lead to the real revolution, the real, the only one that ever matters. And that's the one that happens right here in your little corazón, right? I said, what good is taking over when you know what you're going to do? The only real revolution happens right inside of you. Shout out to my boy, J. Cole, right? That's, That's what I'm trying to fucking do. And this shit happens through incremental processes, right? Now, in terms of this hood philosophy, It is expressly derived with that intention in mind, right? Because like I said previously, uh, a few minutes ago, I don't give a fuck. I'm not trying to explain the world and I'm damn sure not trying to fucking tell you how to live your life, right? But what I am trying to do is arm you, if you will, with the intellectual tools necessary to engage in that fucking process of evolution within you personally, right? Ideally, this is one of the main... Functions of philosophy, this is one of the, certainly in my eyes, one of the beautiful, beautiful things of philosophy and that it is that it is in fact a, a, a tool that can help you do so, right? And that subtle and drastic change in itself is a revolutionary action within yourself because if it can get you to view the world in a complete different way than you did prior to taking my class, prior to studying ph- any philosophy class in general, not just mine, right? But certainly prior or prior to listening to these podcasts or the videos that I'm posting on the gram, right? then what the fuck dude like that? I've, I've, I've succeeded in that job, right? I've, I've succeeded in my purpose. So with that spirit in mind, like this language, please believe that the language of fucking shit, like Napoleonic spirit and, you know, absolute and all that kind of stuff that I'm gonna be dropping uh, throughout the course of this short little podcast here. It's all on purpose, right? Um, but anyways, uh, this hood philosophy is informed by the spirit of fucking revolutionary action. And by just by virtue of employing hood philosophy in general, it's revolutionary in the sense that it's a fucking it's it's I've, I've been saying rejection, but it's more of a fucking it like by rebuting by re, by refuting rather um, the Western analytic tradition and everything that comes associated with that. This is where the little bit of the revolution, the, the little bit of the revolutionary action comes into play. Right. So in terms to the unlinking or rather in terms to the identity politics that I've been discussing so far, what I'm trying to say essentially is that. This hood philosophical movement is it, it's a delinking. Okay. What am I delinking myself from? The ancient Greek tradition of philosophy, this Eurocentric tradition of philosophy, this analytic tradition of philosophy, this Western conception of philosophy. Okay. Now I'm delinking myself for all sorts of reasons that I promise you I will discuss throughout the, you know, throughout the uh however long this fucking podcast lasts, right? But what's, what, what needs to be stated now is what I've been stating this entire time. And that is that I am delinking myself from this myth of European superiority, right? And in the process of doing so, identity is inevitably bound to emerge, namely because just by asserting the word European, you've, I've already introduced identity, namely the European identity, right? And conversely, because also by introducing this delinking, Naturally, I'm going to have to replace it with something. I'm not advocating for absolute nothingness, right? If that's even fucking possible at all within this waking conscience of ours. So, ideally, I would have to replace it with something. Now, there are people who just say, no, I'm a foundationalist. So, I'm just going to give you, I'm just going to lay the foundation and hope someone else will come and lay that, which I admittedly have done in my previous podcasts. But on top of that, on top of clearing the foundation, I'm also providing it with something else, right? And that something else that I am providing it with is going to be, obviously, it's going to be filtered through my experience, which is someone of, you know, Chicanx descent here, growing up in fucking Turtle Island, El Paso, Texas, United States of America, whatever the fuck you want to call it, right? And because of this localized knowledge base that I have, inherently, it's going to become associated with this identitarian politic, okay? But I urge you to look beyond the simplistic understanding, or at least what it's been reduced to in popular culture of these identity politics and understand that despite all the fucking funny shit that I know I personally like to make fun of. And if you fucking don't vibe with these identity politics, you probably make fun of it too, right? Like the lady with the purple colored hair, for instance, that whole trope. Yeah. Um, That shit is laughable, but that's only because it's like the most parrot. It's, it's it's easy to parody the most extreme versions of this identitarian politic, right? But inherent underneath that is an actual base and foundation of importance okay and that's kind of the intention of my podcast for today right um and that's namely in the way of demonstrating how the philosophy something as simple as philosophy man especially when viewed in this idealist sense where it's understood or at least believed that our ideas influence and affect our lived experience our the material world if you will right that the philosophy that informs these ideas then are undoubtedly going to have an impact on the physical world that we're living in, right? So when it comes to this whole fucking identitarian trip that I've been on recently, understand that, again, this epistemic delinking, right, from this Eurocentric model, it's, it's, I, I'm replacing it with a localized knowledge, again, that is coming from somebody of the Chicanx descent, right? And that because of that, I'm introducing a complete different epistemology to hopefully not replace. I'm not, I'm not my intention is not to even replace the eurocentric model. It's simply to provide an alternative to the eurocentric model, right? And that, I mean, if you were to label me, for instance, as a progressive, this would be where the progressive part comes into play because I am seeking to progress past the established model that we currently have now, right? And unfortunately, some people don't like this shit, right? And it's my contention that the reason they don't like it is because in delinking, you know, there's a lot of issues that are brought to the fore that we historically have been told to ignore for better or for worse, right? Uh, If these fucking conservative, and when I say conservative, yo, we need to get a real better, deeper understanding of what it means to be a conservative. I'm not going to get too deep into it now, but please just fucking take my word for it when I say that it has nothing to do with voting for Donald Trump. This is a deeper level understanding of conservatism that implies an inherent fucking, like if if I was going to call it anything more specific, I call it like a bougie fucking ethic, a Protestant ethic, right? Um, More specifically bougie, right? Because the Protestant would be interlaced with the bougie aspect, okay? So when I say conservative, it has nothing to do with fucking Donald Trump, with fucking George Bush, either one of them, okay? But so much with this package of ideas that should be delivered for those of us who you know understand the history of it right with the word conservatism and a- another one of these ideas is the idea that they you know just by the nature of the word conservative they're seeking to remain keep the status quo right and the status quo right now is for better i mean shit i don't want to even say for better or for worse because that would be very intellectually dishonest of me if you ask me fucking personally for worse now one feature of my class that i try to you know implement very consistently is the desire to never insert myself into the discussion right let students figure shit out on their own is my what what's going on here memory card is full okay i'm gonna pause this podcast and come back because i gotta delete all that kind of shit give me one second what the fuck man i'm so sorry about that that shit has never happened yo this is a fucking organic project bro diy or die motherfucker right I have to do this shit on my goddamn self and I would not have it any other way. And sometimes my lack of technological prowess is on full display, such as just now when my motherfucking camcorder said, yo, asshole, the HD fucking recording is no longer available because your fucking storage is running low. So I apologize for the fucking break because it's, vainglorious as it sounds, yet again, surprise, surprise, the video component of his podcast is absolutely just as critical to me as the audio component. And as such, I would not have been able to fucking rest at ease knowing that the next 20 minutes or so would have been cut out, cut out rather, because of my inability to fucking properly prepare in advance. So I apologize for that. And with that said, allow us now to return right back to where we were previous to this fucking little pause of mine. And basically, it's just picking up on, again, the quote-unquote revolutionary act of hood philosophy. I would, you know, in in, in the rhetoric game, at least, we're going to call this a performative fucking philosophy in the sense that it's hoping to inspire movement. What kind of movement? The change within the individual. The kind of change that conservative people generally, by just definition, don't like. If you're conservative, the basic idea is that you are attempting to maintain the status quo. So whenever a quote-unquote progressive action comes along, it's namely in the sense that it's attempting to progress past what you're trying to conserve, okay? Now, again, this whole idea of what a conservative is and what a conservative or what a liberal is and what a progressive is, I promise you it has so much more than to do with just fucking politics that we're familiar with here in 2019 America. But today is not the time for that podcast. Today in this podcast, I had something completely different in mind, and that is what is known as the quote-unquote... Indian problem in the United States of America. Now, just by virtue of the words that I'm using alone, especially those of y'all motherfucking fake woke jokes to get upset about everything. The words Indian problem alone are going to be like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? How is being an Indian, a, a quote unquote Indian, right? A fucking problem. This motherfucker got some explaining to do, right? That's my terrible, terrible fucking uh, Rick whatever from fucking I Love Lucy, right? Impersonation. But the explaining is simple. This quote unquote problem started again, the moment that European colonizers set foot here on Turtle Island. And the problem is simple. I want to take this land, but there are people, namely the quote unquote Indians. Fucking how dumb was Christopher Columbus for reals? You're like, Jesus, I can't fucking get over. How, I, I, just, I hate that guy. Right. As it's been alluded to plenty of times already before. Anyways, the quote unquote problem then is as these fucking people who come here to Turtle Island and saying to themselves, I want this land. There's already people living on this land and thus the problem arises. How do I make this land mine? Now, to be fair, this really wasn't much of a problem upon initial fucking contact. In fact, It wasn't even a European problem for the indigenous folks here. They're the ones that helped them survive, right? But the reason it wasn't a problem initially is not because of some fucking glorious peace and love fucking kumbaya instance that magically those people managed to get along, but because fucking 400, 500 years ago when, you know, the contact first took place, you could just kill motherfuckers and not have to worry about it. Especially if you were conveniently justified, as we discussed in previous lecture podcast, By your God to do so. Right. So there's no fucking problem at all. Just kill all the fucking, quote unquote, savage Indians that are living here and clear the way for you to develop the fucking country that you believe your God told you is your fucking God given right to do so. Right. And that was basically the fucking that was the narrative for the larger part of American history. Until that motherfucking goddamn political correctness starts to set in place, right? When it really starts to become a problem. And the politically correctness is the realization that maybe we can't just kill fucking people indiscriminately. Even the ones that we don't consider to be people, right? This is the history of the United States where we're slowly but surely, very slowly, still to this day, if you ask me for reasons we'll get to here in like about 20 minutes or so, nowhere near the case. Right. But slowly but surely, if you ask the other people who differ, that these people who were historically left out from the push of history, if you will, the zeitgeist, right, Uh, from the absolute unfolding of spirit to slowly but surely become sublated into what the absolute idea of freedom was going to be here on Turtle Island. Right. Um, But even then, even then, the ways that they were dealing with the Indian problem was still very fucking problematic. Listen, man, killing a motherfucker and then, you know, killing a motherfucker or committing genocide on their culture, it's it's pretty much the same thing, right? Because our, unfortunately, for better or for worse, I guess you could say, unfor- I say unfortunately because I, I like to think that we have this shared human essence and that culture is somewhat of a barrier to getting to that, right? But culture is also a beautiful thing. And when you rob somebody of their culture, you're... It's basically like a walking death sentence. Okay. And that's the whole point of this hood philosophy movement. Because as much as I believe that culture is a hindrance, I also 100% agree that it's fucking important to us. Right. So even though they weren't killing them anymore, the Indian problem had just morphed into a more sneak tip fucking manner where instead of killing you, we're going to take all your land, we're going to justify it through the use of treaty. And we are going to subject you to these fucking boarding schools that learn you the proper, quote unquote, way to be a white person in the United States of America. Right. And for the longest time, that was how the, quote unquote, Indian problem had continued to be solved. There's fucked fucked up stories, for instance, about how you know, uh, indigenous children were just stolen basically and given to white women who couldn't have kids or who never got married, for instance, right? So that those white women could raise them as their own kids. Oh man, it's fucked up. And the point that I'm trying to establish here before the podcast ends, if I don't get to it later, let me just be outwardly clear with it now is how little has changed. Okay. How we still take little Brown kids like myself and probably you, if you're listening to this from the hood, from the fucking reservations, from the barrios, from whatever you want to fucking refer to it as. Right. Right. And we place them in these institutional learning facilities to quote unquote, teach them how to be American. Right. That's still fucking an act of that's an act of cultural genocide. Right. But it's a way to mediate, if you will, the Indian problem, because now you don't have these people who are so fucking attached to their land. You don't have these people who are so attached to their culture, to their history, to their knowledge base, etc. Now you can just. You know, uh, uh, link them, if you will, to use the parlance of the of the lecture for, of the, the of the podcast for today. You can link them to that dominant culture which you're attempting to establish, and then by doing so, rid yourself of any sort of resistance that would come from them because they no longer identify with their indigenous culture, for instance, but rather with the oppressor culture, the dominant culture, the American culture. To be explicitly clear, right? But even then, you still have a motherfucking problem, and that problem is that as we continue along we i wasn't fucking there right but as they continued along the westward expansion they encounter more and more of these you know indigenous peoples the likes of which we already discussed in the previous lecture okay so not only do they have to continue to do this process but as we discussed in the previous podcast lecture fucking figure it out right you know what i'm trying to say bro um as we discussed in the previous podcast they had to build a border Right. And this this is where the Indian problem really gets fucking fun if it hasn't already been fun. Right. But for me, it's where it really gets interesting. And the reason why, obviously, is because as a chica next person, I am fucking directly impacted by it, bro. Right. And how am I impacted by it? Well, as the previous fucking podcast discussed, where they drew the Mexican border, bro. Just by virtue of where they drew the Mexican border. And this is where ideally, ideally, historically at least the Indian problem has come to an end. How did it come to an end? Because it's not because, you know, un- unfortunate for the European colonizers, right? I'm sure this is exactly what they wanted, but unfortunately for them, motherfucker, we survived, right? We're still here, Nikantlaka baby, the people of this land or in whatever way your personal indigenous, you know, community refers to it as, okay? We're still here, right? So the problem, if you will, was never solved. We're still fucking right, right here. Never went away, okay? But another way that allegedly it got solved for them is because, well, you built a border and the ones on the north side of the border were Indian still. So a little bit of a problem, right? But the ones on the south of the border, hey, epa, epa, epa C.P.D. Gonzalez, ese, all that kind of stuff, right? Are now Mexicans. So you rid your, you at least halved the, the Indian problem by creating the quote unquote global south, right? Global south by making the ones who are south of the border fucking Mexican and all the other countries that live south of the American border. Right. But if you ask most people who don't have any comprehension of different cultures and different languages of the nuances of, you know, and the and the idiosyncrasies between different people, they'll say just, they speak Spanish and they're Brown. They're all motherfucking Mexican. Who cares? Right. <laughs> That's why you, I know me personally. I, I'm sure you have too. You hear these people who say shit like, damn, stop speaking Mexican, yo. It's like, "But wait, what, what are you talking about? The Mexican language? No, it's just stop. Okay. Anyways, so that's the Indian problem. Right. But again, at least in a nutshell, maybe in a forthcoming episode, I'm gonna get a historian on here hopefully uh, soon and I'll have them explain it in deeper detail than I could possibly ever do. Right. I'm going to talk about it a little bit further here shortly, but it's, it's actually a really interesting fucking facet of history that just pff, completely gets ignored for whatever reason. Right. Well, obviously for reasons I'm going to address here shortly. Anyways. Enough of a tangential. Let's get straight to how this fucking Indian problem is still very much alive here in 2019 United States of America. Just, oh, you know what? Even before I get into that, let me just give you, a, I'm telling you, this is some fucking, it's seriously fascinating shit. The only reason to add further fucking fuel to last week's podcast, right? That the border was built here in America, or rather here in, in, uh, in El Paso, <clears throat> is not because the people who were going after westward expansion just looked around and said, yeah, this is this is a pretty good place to just stop. Let's just stop expanding here and build the wall here. That's, that's not what fucking happened, man. One part, one part of the people who were advocating for this fucking, you know, during the whole Mexican-American war, when Mexico ceded all of what is California, Utah, most of Nevada, some of Wyoming, right? Uh, all of Oklahoma, all of Texas, all of Arizona to the United States, modern day, all those, all those states, modern day, right? Uh, after the war between Mexico and America, right? you had basically one of two camps here in America of people. The first ha- the first camp, they wanted to keep going south, man. They wanted to keep pushing south. They, if they had their way, they would have taken most of Mexico to or what is now modern-day Mexico. They would have taken that shit too, right? Because obviously, the more land you can get, the more resources you can get, the better for you, right? And the only reason they didn't is because their fucking counterparts were afraid that if we pushed too far south into America, then we would have to extend American citizenship to too many of those damn pesky brown people, right? And if we do that, not only do they stand to potentially outnumber the the, the number of white American citizens here in America, but in doing so, they potentially stand to overtake the political institutions that will only allow, allow you access into it once you fucking have become a citizen and thus work to undo through democratic form all the fucking hard-earned land that was conquered through blood and fucking uh, uh, blood and, you know, war, essentially, right? So these, these motherfuckers were like, no, 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 no. Let's not diminish the value of American fucking citizenship and take too much of these brown people in, Right. Let's draw the border here along El Paso and the whole other borderland across from California all the way down to fucking Brownsville, Texas. Right. Let's draw it here. Bite the bullet and accept the ones that are already living in this on this side. But they're not going to be real American citizens. They're just going to be like American citizens. Right. Separate but equal and all that kind of shit. And then we'll just we'll just rock it from there. Right. So there's the Indian problem still present here to this day. Right now the point that i specifically wanted to talk about and must needed to do so in order and I had to explain the indian problem in order to do so was how it warped even in a more fucking weird just it's a weird fucking way man like this nuanced way right the subtlest of ways where now these fucking industrial entrepreneurs right managed to make even more money even more money cuz the land alone is fucking priceless the land they stole irreplaceable, fucking priceless, right? All the resources that they've gained from the land, whether it be the oil, the water, the ports, the the, the ports to the water, right? Valuable fucking resources that have, you know, made trillions of dollars for these people, right? But more importantly, you get now the fucking for-profit prison systems, yo. Now, this is going to be a little... It's not too difficult. It's not too difficult to fucking follow along. And I'm going to read it directly in line to you know what I wrote because, well, I wanna be as sincere and genuine with what I'm about to tell you as possible because doing so is the only way to fucking avoid this critique of being, or not even critique, but an attempt to reduce my fucking hood philosophy, my baby, to something as fucking trivial as identity politics, okay? So here, break bear with me on this one. The basic idea here is the state of America, right? And honestly, yo, my heart breaks for these families, again, as I talked about, who are being destroyed due to our current, I wouldn't want to say administration policies, because these policies have been in effect long before Trump came into play and to do so would be very disingenuous and would be somewhat of an apology for shit like Obama did, right? The shit that Obama did, for instance, right? President Bush did. No, no. This is a longstanding policy in the United States of America, okay? That Trump is nothing more than a continuation of, right? And again, my heart breaks for these families, okay, and more specifically, the the it bothers me it, what I perceive to be as this collective apathy, if you will, of these detribalized indigenous peoples like myself and possibly you, especially if you're here in El Paso or along the Southwest, right? Um, but as as much as you know, the apathy seems to bother me. Unfortunately, right now, I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. It's not the time to lament the unfairness. Or what we perceive to be the quote unquote unfairness, or the unjustness, or the arbitrary laws that realistically they serve as nothing more than fucking coerced threats to justify and perpetuate these very colonial desires that did shit like fucking instill the, or rather see through the Indian problem, right? What we have here again this is not an attempt to reduce it to identity politics this is a it's a fucking it's the performative aspect of hood philosophy coming out because it's ask it's a call to action it's saying that now now is just if ever is the time to continue resisting any and all effects to any and all efforts rather to eradicate opposition uh, on behalf of indigenous peoples whether tribalized or detribalized here on fucking Turtle Island to the colonial project right and naturally, it starts with the proper knowledge and education that is predicated on this basic, basic understanding. And it's simple. You can put up all the walls. You can enact all the laws, okay? But you can never, ever, ever strip us of our rights to be on this land, okay? Because in attempt to do so, you're basically giving us this very fucking mercab alternative. In trying to strip us of our rights to being here, you're trying to strip us of our fucking right to be, period. Okay? You're basically telling us, we don't fucking want you here. Right? And I would fucking kill you if I could be if I could get away with it like I could 500 years ago. But I can't. So instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to fucking force you off of the land that you were indigenous to. We were all, not all of us born here, right? A lot of the Chicanx peoples migrated from Mexico, deeper in Mexico, born in America like myself, right? But... They're basically saying, like, you, you cannot, stri- we're saying, you cannot strip us from a right to be on this land because in doing so, you're basically telling us that we don't, it's not a surprise, you don't want us to exist, okay? And this is, this is where the identitarian aspect comes into play where you say, no, dude, like, it's not even identitarian anymore, bro. This is a deeply fucking existential issue. It literally is a matter of saying, I fucking deserve to exist, okay? You might not like it, I might not even like it sometimes when I'm fucking laying awake at three o'clock in the morning saying, what is it all for? You know, typical sad boy shit. But that does not take away my right to fucking exist. okay? and that right is constantly fucking under assault by these fucking people who since, again, the inception of this colonial project named the United States of America have actively sought to fucking do through this whole fucking Indian project that I just explained to you. Right. And. Although they can no longer fucking kill us, some do without impunity, mind you, right? Especially if you're one of the boys in the badge, right? But um, that's not to knock the police per se, but it's just a simple assessment of the situation that we currently find ourselves in, right? You a black or brown body boy, you better watch out, right? If you better fucking mind your P's and Q's, bro. Um, But I wouldn't even want to say because they're out there, but they've always been out there. The police themselves are just, you know perpetuating the same fucking uh, uh, uh they're they're helping perpetuate this colonial project right which i'll talk about not today uh likely but definitely in a further podcast but i mean think about it and at, at least are you are you i'll introduce them by this thought right here it is the police and not necessarily like you know the, pol- the local police department but the police force whether it be shit like the border patrol whether it be shit like the fucking uh customs and immigration all that kind of shit right the police force um, they are helping to perpetuate this fucking, the war against the Indians, if you will, quote unquote Indians, the indigenous peoples of Turtle Island. Uh, They're helping to, you know, rid ourselves, if you will, of the Indian problem by doing shit like fucking arresting, quote unquote, the peoples who are attempting to lay claim to their, indig- who are just existing on, their, uh, on, on, the, on the land that they're indigenous to, right? And saying, oh, you are coming from south of the border and you're trying to come back north of the border and we're not going to allow that. So instead, we're going to arrest you and put you into a fucking prison. Now, we'll talk all about the laws and the justice of the laws in a future, in a future, it's not a word, future, I was going to say further in future, future podcast, right? But the basic idea here for today is that, The people who created the laws are the same ones who did the fucking shit like, you know, engage upon the removal of the Indians by way of of solving the Indian problem. Okay, so obviously these laws are already fucking very problematic to begin with. Okay, but now the point that I'm trying to get to is when you start to realize how the monetization of these fucking, you know, of the quote unquote Indian project. And and it's simple, right? Just, Just follow me through on this one. Being undocumented, for instance, is illegal. In, you know, in the eyes of the United States government, whether you agree with it or not, fucking irrelevant. The United States government says that as long as you are here on American soil without pr- proper documentation, then you are here illegally, okay? Now, being illegal, quote unquote, is a social construct. Again, it's a, co- it's a construct that's created by and furthermore given credence through the threat and enforcement of laws. Now, when I say given you know, credence through uh, and, and, and enforced by the threat of law, I'm basically saying if you don't fucking agree to it, bro, the cops will be right there with gun and toe to fucking give you an option. Agree or don't agree. Right. If you put up too much of a fucking fight, we'll put a bullet in your fucking head. Right. Or or you can just agree to it and live as though whatever. Right. Before we put a bullet in your head, maybe we'll just throw you in jail or whatever the case might be. We'll take away your right to freedom and liberty and all that kind of stuff. Your right to enjoy your existence on this fucking Fleeting, ephemeral world. Taktik baby. Right? We'll take that shit away. Unless you do exactly as we're told. Okay? As you were told, rather. Right? And naturally, the response is that these people who do this, the you know, the police, the military, whatever, all sorts of institutions out there, that they're simply acting in accordance to the laws and that the law itself is what gives credence and thus ability for the individuals who, you know, to, to do so. But again, the problem is, these laws, right, were written by the very people who are seeking to remove the people from their land, okay? People like, you know, Donald Trump, man, I don't fuck. you know, it it is what it is, bro. They occupy positions of power, you know, these positions that have traditionally been available only to wealthy white men, not anymore, obviously, right? In fact, if you want to fucking change this shit, talking about these little revolutionary actions, you're not going to do so by fucking forming a human line on the highway, bro, Fuck out of here, man. You're gonna do so by partaking in the very same in institutions. Now some people argue you can't change the system from within the system to which I'll say, well then dude, what the fuck can we do? What, what can we do? Nothing? No, that's not an option. So if you don't like the laws, go work to replace them, go to law school, become a politician, become a lawyer, whatever the case might be, right? Now historically speaking, we know that it ha- that, that ability was only relegated to wealthy white men. the very same kind of wealthy white men, Protestant, straight, able-bodied, etc, right? who like to do things like create these fucking for-profit prisons, right? That generate income when quote-unquote illegal activity is committed. Now, where things become decidedly more complex and certainly interesting for me is when, let's say, one of your wealthy homies, okay, can pass executive orders, okay? namely like the president, as it were. Uh, specifically those regarding shit like immigration, And that allows these laws, these executive orders, to consider what the word illegal is. You get to decide what the word illegal is, right? And in the case of our, you know, little like Chicanx Indian problem uh, problem that we got going on here, what's illegal? Simply existing, motherfucker, if you're not existing on the right side of dirt, right? And if you are on the wrong side of the dirt, you're trying to exist on another line, on on the other side of the dirt, we're going to fucking throw you in jail, And when we do, now we got fucking double bang for our buck, bro. Because A, we rid ourselves of a little bit less of the Indian problem. And B, we're fucking making money off of it. It's that simple, right? Now, prior at least to this Trump administration, the argument could be made well, they're not getting thrown into for profit prisons, they're getting thrown into federal prisons. But now we know that that itself is not even the case. A, because there's a lot of for profit federal prisons too. Uh, because even then, when just look at the little shantytown for the video, the Instagram video that I posted on Insta, uh, Instagram recently. That's my sh- shameless plug for my own shit, right? But also, you know, wherever you find it on social media that they just erected here, whether it be in Tornillo, whether it be out there fucking under the bridge in, in downtown uh, El Paso, you name it. Somebody's getting paid for that shit, bro. And what are they getting paid off of? the actual bodies that are inside the holding facilities, right? They have monetized, if you will, indigenous bodies here on fucking Turtle Island, okay? Dude, and this is why I'm telling you, like these colonial borders, they cannot, nor will they ever erase our indigenous roots, okay? But again, that never stopped the original architects of the United States framework, okay? Let alone their descendants, whether they be biological descendants, intellectual descendants, or a combination thereof. Okay? From trying to do so. Now, this is not shocking. This is just asking you to engage in an unbiased examination of the history of the formation of the United States border, okay? Both north and south. And it just, this will be revealed to you, right? She can follow the money, bro. Okay? This country is built on indigenous land, right? at the explicit expense of its indigenous inhabitants, right? So the problem has never been how to accommodate the indigenous Americans and uh, the indigenous peoples, right? Whether tribalized or detribalized, into the framework, it's only ever been to what, what the fuck are we going to do with these, quote unquote, problematic Indians? Okay. Who's again, mere existence was, is still to this day, antithetical to everything, everything they, quote unquote, envision for fucking their, quote unquote, country. Right now. The point that i'm trying to establish here is that let, let, let's take it back to a little philosophical this is a very historical and political fucking you know tangent there but it, it's important to establish the importance on the philosophical scale and the importance on the philosophical scale is simple right and it's simply that if we maintain this fucking western tradition of philosophy the masters never you're never to quote a, a very famous article in, in you know, a very famous a source in philosophy rhetoric and just philosophy in general the master's tools will never demolish the master's house, right? The whole point of unli- of delinking myself from fucking the Western tradition of philosophy is because, dude, I spent an entire undergraduate career, m- all of my master's career, right? And I never learned shit like that. Shit that was directly important and relevant to not just me, but the people along this borderland, right? And if this Western tradition of philosophy continues to have its way, it will never be an issue, which is fucking fantastic if you don't want shit like immigration reform to be an issue, right? Yo, when I say they schools, I fucking mean they schools, bro. This right here is, this is completely organic, right? Fucking DIY or die, bro. Okay, I, the, the, the little bit of they schools that's going to be delivered to you through this podcast is going to be coming through the form of subconscious fucking socialization and little parts of myself that I have not decolonized, right? But aside from that, it's as fucking organic and to the fucking source as possible, the same cannot be said about they fucking schools, right? Historically speaking, these schools are the descendants, the intellectual descendants of these fucking, uh, the, the Carlisle boarding schools where they would take indigenous, you know, children and take them again to learn how to fucking quote unquote, be good Americans. They would give them American name, English names, right? They would give them English customs, practices, religion, all that kind of stuff. Right. And these schools that we have here to this day, there's, they're the same damn thing, bro. They're the same motherfucking thing. Right. So As long as this Western tradition of philosophy remains intact, we're never going to delink ourselves from that. And thus, we're never going to realize that there's a whole nother fucking world of philosophy out there, for instance. And we're definitely not going to realize that by maintaining this fucking veneer, if you will, by continuing to remain linked to the Eurocentric tradition... These issues of shit like the Indian problem, these issues of shit like immigration reform and for profit prison industries, and how fucking people of color are statistically higher represented in fucking prisons than, you know, our non people of color counterparts, namely Europeans, right? Those of European descent. You don't talk about that kind of shit. It's just not even an issue anymore, which would leave you to believe that it's not an issue anymore, right? And again, this is very fucking convenient. This is a very convenient reading of not just history. But of the present and the future as well, right? For those of you who, um, that's just another one of the many things I'm gonna fucking promise you. I'm gonna talk about in the future. But for those of you who watch the Slavoj Zizek and the Jordan Peterson podcast, if you were trying, if you, if there's anything that you take away from that, let it be the fact that their fundamental beef that they had stems from the fact that there's basically two types of people in the modern world of philosophy, right? There are those who essentially essentially and being very, I'm just glossing over it because it's not the fucking podcast to do this, right? There are those who believe that history is over, quote unquote. That everything is settled, all the issues are settled and then all that's left to do we uh, you know, we have the conditions necessary for people to continue to advance in life such as democracy, capitalism, fucking you know, citizenship, all that kind of shit. And that is the biggest, has been the biggest obstacle, the biggest hindrance to to freedom. Historically, they're gonna want to argue. And since those things are now settled, all that's left to do is just make make sense of the rest. Okay. And then you have the competing fucking view, the the I guess the, the zizek. We're not as specific. I'm not trying to essentialize him, but this is kind of like the beef that they come to, right? Who say, no dude, like, yes, all that shit is great, but there's still so many fucking issues that need to be reconciled in order for those particular issues to have even to be worth even more than what they are now. Right? We need to reconcile shit like what it means to be a citizen. We need to reconcile shit like what our fucking education is for. Okay? Because where it stands now It's not good. It's not fucking perfect. It's nowhere near what it could be if we continue along our trajectory and try to find better alternatives for it, okay? So how this relates to this whole fucking podcast is part of us will want to say shit like, man, yeah, you're right. We're living in America. It's the best time ever to be alive. How can you even fucking argue against that? To which I'll say, you're right. However, why is it, okay, that prisons... Are tantamount to modern day slavery, for instance, okay? And that they are, you know, that even though we in America have only 5% of the population, but 25% of the prison population, right? And that of 37% of that is comprised of fucking either black people or 32% is comprised of fucking quote unquote Hispanics. Like that's obviously a fucking issue, bro. And until we address that issue, This whole fucking myth that the world, that history is over and that we can just continue our fucking march toward modernity is reconciled. Like, no, bro, that's a fucking huge issue that needs to be addressed. But again, we can't address that issue if we aren't armed with the philosophical toolkit necessary to do so, right? Thus, the whole importance of delinking and the inherently, the inherent fucking identitarian aspect of hood philosophy, right? So... When it comes to like fucking education, prisons, right? If I could leave you with one thought, because I think I'm getting pretty close to that fucking hour-long mark. It's fucking time flies when you're having fun, at least for me, certainly, right? <laughs> if I could leave you with this fucking, the one thing in, in terms of prison and the Indian problem and all that kind of shit, I just want you to consider the fact that, you know, these for-profit industries are exactly that. The for-profit prison industries are exactly that, right? They are businesses that need people in them in order to fucking continue generating revenue right and one great way to do so is by problematizing fucking indigenous new indigenous and to this i say new indigenous that's actually the use of this gentleman named uh emden christopher emden a great scholar that i'm really i'm really following his work right now and i love it but what he refers to new indigenous is essentially a nice it's it's his way of saying black communities right because they've been, you know, uprooted from their indigenous land, Africa, and brought to America, and become, uh, and and in in doing so, they have a lot of the issues that we as indigenous, either tribalized or detribalized people face, and thus he associates them as neo-indigenous, right? So, these for-profit prison industries, for instance, they're a great way of monetizing these indigenous and neo-indigenous bodies because you get you and you you do yourself two favors, the first of which being. You rid yourself of their presence and in the public space, and the second of which being you monetize their being within your prisons, right? Now, this is not a fucking conspiracy, bro. Again, if you just read into the history of the fucking United States, if you read into the current trajectory of these for profit prisons, you'll realize, and this is the point that I was going to get to before I get to my next point, and that is that they're directly targeting fucking communities who have been improperly educated, right? Namely, those who have been miseducated, like ourselves, right? And the reason why I mentioned that is because in order to decide where they're going to build these prisons, last time that I checked, it could have been, they could have raised it, they could have lowered it, but the last time I checked, they decide to do so based on the reading level of a given community, which is that of a fourth grader, okay? So they're going to say, if they're, if, they're, if the reading level within a given community is at or lower than the fourth grade reading level, these motherfuckers are going to commit crime, and then you just, poof, you extrapolate that further into many of the problems that we face here still to this day as you know indigenous new indigenous peoples trying to fucking continue to, or just trying to integrate if you will to the settler colonial project that is the united states of america now one last quick thought before i fucking shut this bitch down and that is simple i know again that it sounds conspiratorially inclined okay but i realistically i urge you to look past this reading And understand that, again, to circle all the way back to the beginning of the podcast, how our thoughts and how our ideas influence our fucking action, whether you are the person who is creating the thought and advancing it, or whether you are the fucking victim of the miseducation and the brainwashing that has come as a result of your education process through these fucking institutional learning facilities. It doesn't fucking matter, okay? these ideas directly impact and influence our fucking lived experience our lived reality and it's these ideas that i'm seeking to try to at least counter i'm not trying to change your mind but i'm at least trying to offer you a fucking alternative man a different view of history right a different view of our present a different fucking and a uh, different fucking approach to philosophy in general but all of education as a whole and again doing so is going to be inherently fucking identitarian because of my chica next disposition okay And because of that, it may seem as though that I am being fucking unfair or unjust to the people who created the systems that we're currently find ourselves enmeshed in. But if you would allow me, please, just one last motherfucking quote before I shut this bitch down to justify, if you will, not that I need to. Right. But to further justify the point that I'm attempting to establish. And it goes as follows. This is a direct quote. Okay, the quote states. Vulgar, racist hostility against Mexicans was a staple of newspapers, magazines, and scholarly journals, especially between 1926 and 1930, when public hearings were conducted in House and Senate committees on Mexican immigration. Those in favor of restricting immigration represented various patriotic societies, like the current motherfuckers. These fucking United Patriot assholes, fuck them, right? Eugenicists eugenicist organizations, I should state, and a significant sector of organized labor. Bro, there's going to be a point if it hasn't happened yet when you start to realize that the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know, right? All this identitarian politics is deep as fuck, man. I could spend a whole podcast. I can spend a whole semester talking about just those things right there, but I'm not going to, right? For now, let's keep it simple. The quote, this is from a textbook, actually, and I'll give you the the other quote that I was going to try to get to. um, States, patriots and eugenicists argued that Mexicans would create the most insidious and general mixture of white, Indian, and Negro blood strains ever produced in America, and that most of them were quote-unquote hordes of of hungry dogs and filthy children with faces plastered with flies, human filth. They are promiscuous, apathetic peons, and lazy squaws who prowl by night, stealing anything they can get their hands on. A professor of zoology at the University of California characterized Mexican immigrants as Indian peons without the quote unquote trace of Caucasian blood who were ignorant, tractable, moderately industrious and content to endure wretched conditions of life, which most white laborers would not tolerate. His conclusions were that Mexicans were a menace to public health. Notice they're fucking citing a zoologist here, okay? This is, this is in a House hearing in the Senate committee to remind you, and they fucking brought a zoologist in to fucking talk about us. That's how little they fucking think about us, bro, right? We're bas- Ugh, it's just it's so upsetting, but I'll continue, okay? His, con- his conclusions that were Mexicans were again a quote unquote menace to public health, a serious burden upon our charities. Of low mentality fuck you Stefan Molyneux okay inherently criminal and therefore a degenerate race that would afflict American society was an embarrassing race problem this is from the book youth identity and power by Carlos Munoz and the reason I say fuck you Stefan Molyneux yet again once more is because he's a fucking quote-unquote philosopher another fucking shit stick that fancies himself a fucking philosopher right of the ilk of jordan peterson who basically just recently repeated the same thing in regards to justification of immigration reform right but i'll talk about that fucking shit stick later for now the basic point is simple these are the people who created the laws that we are currently fucking using to justify our current fucking immigration status what we determine to be the issues along the border etc and so on and so forth for, for those of you motherfuckers who are sitting here and trying to reduce me and my fucking hood philosophy to identity politics, seriously, fuck you, okay? For those of you who think that it's a matter of, uh, you know, it's that I'm fucking being a, that race is an issue that can never be solved, I'm sorry, man, but it's just, you have to understand the historical underpinnings of where this shit is coming from in order for the opinion to be relevant, right? Uh, those of you who think that history is over, history is settled, bro, Maybe or maybe we should take a look back and see how the fuck our current historical trajectory, where it got its fucking roots from and how that shit is probably most likely, unless you're taking a step to desocialize yourself, subliminally driving the fucking actions and all the ideas that you have in your head right here at this moment. Right now, this is a fucking boom, boom, bang, bang. Right. I'm just shooting off into the I'm not sh- fucking I'm firing fire squad, baby J. Cole. Right. I'm just shooting out there in, in the general fucking out out there. It's not directed at one particular person, it's directed at all of us because realistically, we're all fucking guilty of allowing this shit to continue, right? To further fucking draw a point, draw home the point that I started at the beginning of the semester. Now, with that said, uh, I think I'm at about the hour mark, close there too. So I'm gonna go ahead and at this point draw this bitch to an end. Uh I have plenty more to go. And I hope that you continue to join me along for the ride, okay? Uh, For now, I'm going to leave it simply and state that I hope you have a great rest of the day and I'll see you soon.